TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo. As we are brought in by the fire tones of the Tongans, with whom we give all deference to, we'd like to welcome you to another episode of The Outsider's Edge. It's your boy, Rance, a.k.a. Ray Cash, and uh, let me introduce my brother, Kyle Morris. How you doing, sir? I'm all right, Brother Rance, but uh, I want to start the show with an apology to the listeners, because I was not here for our last episode, and there were some things that were said that just cannot be allowed to stand so like first of all first of all because nobody else said it fuck dominic <laughs> I, I don't know how we allowed that to go by second Number of all baby face in the business second of all out here saying nice things about drew mcintyre and gender business y'all just waited for me to not be there that's some bullshit <laughs> But the second thing, the second thing is a public service announcement to our listeners from their gay friend. Y'all, if it ain't a WAP, you doing it wrong. Even I know it's supposed to be wet, y'all. Even I know it's supposed to be wet. I hope all, I hope all of you have a chance to have some wet-ass P-word. <laughs> or some good, dry, Christian P-word. Because, <laughs> you know... Of course, uh, apparently a wet-ass P-word is a gynecological problem, so. Man, imagine, imagine being so fucking stupid that you admitted on your national radio program that you ain't made your wife's pussy wet, and you thought that that was owning somebody. To his base, it is. That's the thing. His base was like, yeah, Ben, yeah. Man, I feel so bad for all their wives. So bad for all their wives. Like, y'all, foreplay a thing. Sad, sad, sad. Make them wet, y'all. Make them wet. It is a uh, unfortunate situation. And the irony is, if I can, if I can journalism for a second. Can I journalism for a second? You can, but before you journalism, I will say that you lied. The best baby face in the business right now is Big E. I fucking had one match. Chill. Dominic working on this storyline for a year. Chill. Fuck Dominic. I want to hear Big E on the microphone. Oh well, Big E been always been fire on the mic, but like that that interview with Kayla the other day was tremendous. So good. Yeah, E got uh, Morrison tonight, by the way. I mean, I'm so here for that in so many ways. 
Um, but no, go ahead, journalism us. Ta- take us from the WAP. So I mentioned that 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 you know not having a wet ass pussy is a I'm sorry wet ass p word. Self censorship is a unfortunate situation. But this week in wrestling had a couple of unfortunate situations as well. That is true. There were several yeah. unfortunate situations in the wrestling world. From one to ten, judge my journalism. I mean, I'll give it a solid six, depending on which unfortunate situation you lead with. Oh, well, shit. <laughs> you want to go? We could go Dream. We can go Orange Cassidy not getting the correct pin. We could go mean, No, let's go, P-word. let's go P-word to P-word. Let's go P-word to P-word. Why the fuck AEW only had one women's match and it was less than five minutes of a squash? Again! I heard, I heard a, I heard a, it's a, it's a theory, but it's a joke theory, but like, it makes you scratch your mind, makes you, like, scratch your head, right? If you remember at the beginning of, at the very first rally, Brandy said that all the women are, they're going to be top challenges like the men, equal pay, there's no sliding scale, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if they don't work, they don't get paid. Ain't that some shit. So, but actually, shit. what I do, what I would like to lead with, um, now that I'm thinking about it, is AEW today released five people. Uh, six people? Five or six? I Jimmy Havoc was, was released. Jimmy yeah. Havoc at five. Jimmy Havoc was released. Um... B. Priestley was released, Sadie Gibbs, T-Hawk, and Lindemann from the Strong Cards. Now, the reasonings are completely understandable. The reasoning is they can't get back in the country. There's no telling when they'll be able to. So we might as well go ahead in this partnership now. Maybe we can go back at it another time. In the case of Jimmy Havoc, he was going to get fired anyway. In the case of B. Priestley... It's a bad. It's a bad look for her because her Will Ospreay just been, been running roughshod on people, right? But is it interesting to you that I haven't seen one tweet or message or column of outrage, but WWE released people and like people are still bitching about that? What's uh? What's my word? It- What's my word of choice to describe the fandom situation? Bullshit. No, 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 no. The D word. Decrepit. Duplicitous. See, man, look, you got all the degrees, bro. I just fix computers. We, we're not in the same. We're not in the same wavelength. But no, it's just a, it's a it's another example of the duplicity yeah. of the AEW fan base. Yeah. They are great at cherry-picking for the narrative. Now, I'm a context guy. The context does matter. Tony had to release those people because of the situation. Vince didn't really have to release those people if you looked at what his revenue was, right? Nonetheless, the releases still happened. And no, it's not equal because I think it was almost 40 people to WWE, but five to AW. But in terms of the rosters, WWE probably has a roster four to one of AEW. So I, I just 
it's not and it's not it's not a perfect analogy or a comparison in any stretch of the imagination. I just found it funny. And ain't nobody said a damn thing. And everybody's making reasonings and excuses for why these people got fired. But Mike and Maria openly bitched, openly said they didn't want to resign, resigned and bitched the moment they resigned. Gallows and Anderson openly complained, said they wanted to leave, resigned, were cool with it, but behind the scenes wasn't cool with it, and then ended up going, like, so everybody isn't completely, you know, everybody isn't completely innocent in the situation. Right. So. I mean, I, I just... You're not wrong. I'm just not surprised at all because I've just come to re- expect this kind of behavior from that fan base. They are constantly um, moving the goalpost and resetting what is and is not acceptable. And so, like, WWE releases a handful of people. Now, granted, they did it at the very beginning of the pandemic, which is not a good look. Um, and the way that they handled it was not a good way to handle it. And they deserve to get smoke. Like they deserve to get the smoke they got, but like, why isn't there smoke over here now? Like at all. It won't be. And it's just something I've accepted, but I mean, such is life when it comes to this, the, the comparison between the two companies and we'll give you even more perfect examples. Uh, a lot we're going to talk about before we get to we're going to talk about dream and some of the WWE topics but we're going to start with AEW today uh because AEW Dynamite was this 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 week's episode was quite the interesting show because it had very big moments moments that are going to last last for weeks in terms of storyline development but like some shit that made you scratch your head like did you catch the orange Cassidy Chris Jericho segment or match, rather. Of course I caught that match. First thing, before you even get into the controversy, I will say this, and I know I know the reason why, but, like, it's uh, real interesting to me that this match, which is the big, blo- like, which is one of the blow-offs in weeks' worth of storytelling, wa- it started with only 15 minutes left in the entire show, and that was including entrances. Yeah. So like to go longer than fifteen is a question. Well, no, I'm not saying that's what I'm saying. Like I understand the why, but I'm just saying, like, man, you've built weeks of television around this, but Chris is an old man and Orange has a gimmick of like slackerism that limits the amount of time your match is going. Although I will say I do like that Cassidy was intense from the word go, and it was a very different kind of Orange Cassidy. Um, and that is the kind of thing that they need if their goal here, which it obviously is, is to make him a bigger star. Because what his character needs is that, oh, well, yeah, he's real happy-go-lucky most of the time. But once that flip switches, or once that switch flips, um, then all of a sudden he's a total badass. Yeah, yeah. Every, every comedy character needs a reason to be serious. Yeah. Um, Why Otis is still floundering, like you and Carl talked about in the last show, because like he's still just a comedy character. And you're right, by the way, 
I've been saying for years now, put your hair up and square up. Sonya Deville is a fucking star. Jesus Christ, man. Like, we're, I know we're going on a tangent because I want to get back to your Orange Cassidy points. But Raw Underground can be such a conduit for stardom for so many people. Like, Baba Tunde is getting shine, right? On their Dabakato or Kato or whatever they call them. But, like, Shayna, Shayna and Sonya can really, really make noise in this Raw Underground. And I know Sonya's on SmackDown. Make but... waves for the LGBT community in the process. Give me That's two true. gay women in the main event. That too, yeah. Give it I didn't think about that. Inject it in that. my fucking veins. I didn't even think about that. That's a great point. And that's the, I didn't think about that. Two openly lesbian women in the main event of Monday Night Raw in an underground match. Inject that shit in my fucking veins. I'm game. I'm game. Let's get back to the Orange Cassidy thing, though, because so much controversy about it was... I didn't even think about the timing of the match. Um, before we even get to any of the other stuff, would you have held off that match for All Out? Because it's like, all out is like two weeks away. So, like... Three weeks? Two weeks? So, part of me feels like, yes, I would. Because I do feel like it's intended to be, you know, kind of more of a blow-off-y thing. But another part of me feels like they did it when they did it because can we really stretch this out for three more weeks? All Out is September the 5th, and that's three more episodes of Dynamite. Do we really have three more episodes where we can just legitimately keep them apart and hold off on this? I mean, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, I mean, there are ways. I'm also not entirely sure that this is going to be the last match between the two of them. Well, well, see... I was I have that same thought process, but AEW has shown us they don't do rematches just for the sake of rematches. Because if that was the case, Cody would have had about four or five with MJF, because he still got to shoot the fair one with with Homeboy. Because like all that MJF did to Homeboy and he lost and just walked away, couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. You're right, but here's why I think this one might open itself up to the rematch. Jericho is a dastardly heel. And he will use the excuse that all the chicanery at ringside, he'll say the best friends caused the distraction that threw him off his game. That, that's actually what you do while you're joking. What could have happened in that? And I'm, we're fantasy booking, so, you know, I'm not complaining or saying oh, no, that but that's wrong. how you make it. That's how you make it make sense with their philosophy of we don't do rematches to do rematches. You have the demo god, Le Champion, Mr. Cocky, I run shit, say that he got screwed over and this is unacceptable and he runs this fucking place and he demands another shot. Well, not just that, but you have a, then you give yourself another feud because you can do you can run best friends versus proud and powerful. They've been well, they've been setting that up anyway. I told you, I think the match is uh, at proud or is proud and powerful versus best friends at All Out, maybe make it a six-man, but they get driven to the ring in Chuck's mom's car because they destroyed Sue's car, and that's how we make this work. I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. Um, so the two controversies about this particular match, one, that Jericho, Jericho's new nickname that was given to him on Twitter is hilarious. He's the COVID god who has a little bit of the Rona. 
That's a fucking little hilarious. bit of the Rona. Um, if you guys don't know, Jericho, of course, lead singer of Fozzie, did four shows in the Dakotas. Um, two of them at the Sturgis for the biker rally. rally, the no mask wearing biker rally, and two. Demo God Jericho is, uh, you know, all about being a troll and hanging out with the likes of the Mega Trolls. To his credit, he said he's passed 12 COVID tests. I don't know how much I believe that to be true, but I would like to believe that they would not have put him out there if there was not some semblance of him passing a test. Um, so I'm, I'll, I'll give them that benefit of the doubt, but it's terrible optics. Secondly, you can speak to this more because I was watching NXT at the time, so I saw the finish, but I missed the actual missed pin. Apparently, there was a, a miscommunication in the final pin with Kyoto. I mean, these things always happen with my Kyoto. So but, it what no it no it wasn't that it's that. I don't know if this was a missed timing thing or if it's like my real honest and truthful answer is Chris is old now and athletically can't do a lot of things. Cause like, for example, recurring throughout the match, they were doing dragon screw spots, but like the way that Cassidy was doing these dragon screws and the commentators tried to make it seem intentional or whatever, but like Jericho would just fall flat on his back. Like, there wasn't even really a twist. <laughs> Jericho would just fall flat on his back, and Cassidy would do, like, an animated thing to try to make it seem like he's still twerking the knee. But I'm just like, are they doing this intentionally, or is this just because Chris is old and blown up and he can't do those roll? Like, his knees can't actually handle those anymore, because I would believe that. Um, and so the match ended with... I want to say, I want to say it's called an octopus pin. Mm-hmm. Um, but Orange Cassidy does it a lot. Of, or he does it a lot. The way that the move is normally supposed to go is he sets you up like it's a Russian leg sweep, but then he rolls you forward into the pin. Again, when they went to do this, instead of doing the roll forward, Chris dropped to his knees, and then just rolled backward (laughs) onto his shoulders. And I am just like, I don't know if this is a miscommunication or if old man blown up Jericho after his 16-minute match, after his Sturgis MAGA COVID rally, and all of the things associated with that, if he just too blown up to roll forward for this move anymore. You know what's disappointing, though? Because Jericho's lost effectively one match. I'm not counting tags, right? Like, effectively one match. And that's to John Moxley. So, Orange Cassidy beating Chris Jericho clean in the middle of the ring in a stipulation match because the winner got $7,000 or whatever it was. It was $7,000. There was a storyline behind that. The reason for the exact amount of money is because you remember the orange juice bath spot. Jericho's big shit since then is that he was wearing a $7,000 jacket that Orange Cassidy ruined. So Dean Ambrose all over again. Dean Ambrose all over again. Basically, yes. And so the point of the $7,000 exact 
bounty is that Jericho's thing was Cassidy was going to pay for him to get a new jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love quirky shit like that, but I just, I'm disappointed because much like, and I'll speak to Scorpio Sky in a minute on the TNT title match, that this was a conduit for Orange Cassidy to become a big star by beating the biggest star they have, but it's all in your presentation. And like, when it, think about this. Becky Lynch had a year-long reign and a very successful reign, right? Becky Lynch is one of the top superstars in the entire company. At one point, was the number one superstar in the entire company. Her face everybody... centers billboards now. Yes. But she's so, she's so hot, she did crossover stuff because she's doing TV shows. But you always remember, well, she didn't really pin Ronda though, when she beat her. So that kind of nullifies it a bit. So, like, I, I feel like, man, and shit happens. Accidents happen. I'm not bitching about that. But it's just so unfortunate because this could, Orange Cassidy could have walked away a made man. But I look at him today like I looked at him Tuesday. He's just a guy that can do some cool stuff and is kind of funny and sell, and has a great kip up with his hands in his pocket. That's all the dude is to me. I love, speaking of the hands in his pocket, I loved the start of the match. Because Cassidy picks his hands up as if he's going to put them in his pocket and then just starts swinging haymakers. And I, I just, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Um, necessary. It was absolutely necessary. Like, I, I do give Chris credit in terms of he said he wanted to work with new guys and put over new stars, and he's been yeah, doing sure. that. Yeah. He has been doing that. I also give credit because, like, during the shenanigans, the Jake Hager ran out and did the Oklahoma Slam on Cassidy, and then he he kicks out of that. And so, like, they, you know, went through with that kind of a spot to make him look tough. So, like, they did things to try to attempt to get him over. But it's just, again, you know, I don't know if some of it is just because Jericho has to change his style now because he's old or what it is, but it just it looked real choppy. Think of about Jericho's better matches in these past three, four years. The match against uh, Kevin Owens, the match against Kenny. Like These matches are so good because they're essentially brawls. They fit to his... The 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 Chris Jericho match is maybe the best match Kenny Omega's ever had, and I know y'all gonna kill me with all the shit he's done with Ishii and Naito, especially Okada. But I say the Jericho match because that's the first time in Kenny Omega's kind of omnipresence over the the main main event and stars star rating scene that he had to change his style. Kenny wrestles his style in every fucking match. Jericho, he had to fight that dude. I am not disagreeing with a single point that you just made, but I do want to remind the audience that um, you can direct your rage about <laughs> Okada Omega to at its Ray Cash. <laughs> no, directed to direct, directed to at Outsider's Edge. Oh yeah, yeah, direct it all to at Outsider's Edge. Um, <laughs> Diehard listeners get the joke. Um, anyway, so you brought up Scorpio Sky 
let's kind of transition and talk a little bit about that real quick. Yeah. But before we get into that match itself and Scorpio itself, man, Cody, you talked all that shit about the 24-7 title. And you Wee. debuted a TNT title. And you immediately were just like, nah, y'all, nah, y'all. This ain't the finished one. This ain't the finished one. Like the Rona. The Rona slowed us down. I got a final belt coming. And so you build the hype for that. You finally reveal this final design for this TNT title. And it is still the ugliest shit. And it is no better. I'm not saying it's worse, but it is no better than the 24-7 title is. And it still just looks lame as fuck. Here's the best part. Kyle, the best part is... The excuse he gave was, well, you know, Rona, we couldn't get a belt made. WWE had a whole ass U.S. championship made. But it's not even that. It's not even that. We gave you the benefit of the doubt when you said that the first time. You done had months to finish this shit. He put and some decals on that shit. He called it tonight. Put out. He put he some changed, stencils on that hole. <laughs> changed the plate from silver to bronze and engraved some things. Speaking that of that, literally it. Speaking of that, I'm not one of those guys that complains about this company running the same storyline as this company because it's only fuck what you guys think on the internet. I, I understand so many storylines. Yes, and, and you motherfuckers like, like, that think you can do. And there, there's thousands of unknown storylines. Even in, even amidst the Rona, at any given time, there's at least five to ten companies, and in the good times, there's at least. 20 to 30 promotions running shows at any given time. And that's probably just here in this country. That's not like all over. So like, ain't nothing original anymore. Simpsons did it, y'all. Simpsons did it. It's only so much that you can do. So, but I do think it's even extra lamer knowing the backstory of the belt that Brody Lee stole the old one. (laughs) It's like, I got your belt, but he's holding the brand new belt with the actual stencils on it, it's like so that we have like so. But so that means that like three company, all three of the companies that are running television right now are running a somebody has a stolen title. What was the because, third? Because Moose still running around with the TNA title. I forgot about that shit. I don't. I don't pay attention <laughs> to what Moose says. I'm sorry. I stopped paying I don't either because fuck Moose because like <laughs> domestic abusers get no love from me, especially domestic abusers who hang out with that guy who we won't even name. Um, I'll say his name because his name is oddly familiar for some reason. Yeah, um, but like no, no, all three companies that are running televisions currently have a storyline going with a stolen fucking title belt. Boy, so you're telling me Matt Taven gonna come back with the real world championship? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Getting ready to start filming in Maryland. (laughs) Sienna going to come with the real women's championship in NWA and Thunder Rosa. She's like, what belt you got, Thunder Rosa? This is the real tight. All of them going to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. going to bring the ICW women's championship and be like, Kaylee Ray, this is the real women's championship. It's it's hilarious. Fucking somebody's going to show up at an NWA show with the big gold belt talking about who the real world champion. Well, look, <laughs> have fun with that because I don't want no smoke with Nick Aldis. I'll tell you that. I, I want no smoke. With that. 
I mean, I think um, the only one who wants smoke with Nick Aldis is Mickey James, Mickey and she only James. wants to lay the WAP down. She only trying to lay down the WAP. <laughs> well, Mickey, if you if you know, you know Mickey's First been. First of all, you know she got the WAP, but second of all, man, props <laughs> to Nick for being able to get it. And shout out to Mickey James for finally getting back on TV and getting the storyline. Shout out to Mickey; she deserves it. Well, shout out to Mi- shout out to Mickey because you know I, I I don't feel like it gets said enough about Mickey James, Molly Holly, and Victoria. I think are perpetually not even so much underrated, but just like not given the flowers they deserve for the people that they were. Ma- but Mickey Victoria, especially. Yes. But like well, Mickey, especially. Well, no, I'm saying Mickey especially because like Molly and Victoria like are just perpetually disrespected. And you're right; it's like a running joke almost how perpetually disrespected they are. I I will say if I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times. If I hear all the things she said at the Women's Royal Rumble one year, I will lose my fucking mind. I don't care if she pulls a moolah and wheels her old ass out there. I will still pop for it. She wa- She wanted to. She wanted bad. Uh, but, like, wanted bad but, like, but with Mickey, the reason I say it is I'm just like, this girl had a mania match with Trish Stratus in their primes. Beat her clean. Beat her clean. Had one of the best storylines in wrestling history not just women's wrestling history in wrestling history the crazed stalker fan was that's great that's the best version we've ever seen of it fucking let and didn't it also lead into didn't it lead into victoria debuting or beth phoenix victoria or beth came in like after the storyline to beat mickey up no so so the Beth Phoenix thing was another situation because Beth Phoenix was a was another crazed fan. That Trish just fan. happens to have crazy motherfuckers after her for some reason. Yeah, that's so, how fine Trish was in two thousand two. That people just stalked her ass for no reason. Well, that and that shows you how good that fucking storyline was because that storyline was Mickey was so good that they ran that shit back with another future Hall of Famer. Shit, they did it with they did it with. Beth, they did it with Rosa. They've done that shit a bunch because they know it was money the first time. So, but yeah, so like, I just I'm always just like, you know, Mickey did that shit, you know. Then, after she had to go through the Piggy James stuff because of how her affair with John Cena turned out. Um, yes. yes. After shout all out to of Kendra. that. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to Kenny Dykstra. <laughs> uh, after all of that, she went to Impact and lit some shit on fire over there, too. Oh, yeah. She was a woman over there. Hardcore country. And met Nick so that she could lay down to WAP. So, like... And got a recording deal. Like, she sang yeah. at the CMA Awards. She's yeah. for real. Yes, so, and represented the Native American culture. Well, So, I'm just, like, with Mickey, I'm always just, like, you know... If you say that you wouldn't put her on your Mount Rushmore of women's wrestlers, I get that because there are a lot of big influential women's wrestlers. You know, you got to put Trish and you got to put China and like, you know, those. I get that. China's not an influential women's wrestler. She's an influential woman. Well, that's, but that's why I would, that's why I would put her there because like, 
for the longest. Okay, I put China in the same breath, and this is this is don't sound disrespectful, but understand with the context. Ooh, As again, the, before he said it, before he says it, remember you can direct all the hate to. It's outside his edge. <laughs> I put her in the same breath as, uh, as like a Miss Elizabeth in terms of, yeah, she wrestled, but her her greatest her greatest contribution was as a contributor and not as an in ring performer. Bobby Heenan, Paul Heyman, you know what I mean? That was her greatest contributions. I mean. The reason I'm just inclined to give it give it to her is because when she was a wrestler, she was wrestling the men in the main event, like the storyline focus of the show, you know. That's true. That's true. And, and, and my other thing with that is you go up and down the list of modern women who are performers in ring, and I bet you to a woman, yeah, they're all going to say they looked up to Trish. But I bet you to a woman, if they were a childhood wrestling fan growing up in it, they fair looked enough. up to China. I mean, look, you, fair enough. I just... And I mean, I, but not the point, not even the point I was trying to make. The point I yeah. was trying to make is I can understand if you're going to say that you're not going to put Mickey on your Mount Rushmore top four women's wrestlers of all time. I get that if you don't want to go that far. But like, she in that top ten. And I will fight you on it. Like, she's oh. one of the 10 best women's wrestlers of all time. And if you think otherwise, then, like, you just not paying attention. Agreed. Agreed. We've strayed, we've, we've, we've strayed a long way from Scorpio's guy and Cody Rhodes. We did. But, like, you know, belts got us talking about other things. And then we got to the stolen belt storyline. Well, I mean, Cody it, Lee. sometimes you just got to go with the, with the wet-ass P-word leads you. Um, <laughs> so... Did you find it did you find it interesting and have a problem? So this whole TNT title run and his open challenge has been really bloviating to me. Because he A lot of AEW Dynamite is really bloviating if we're talking about the EVPs. Just saying. Yes, we're yes, business, yeah. Um the damn right. But you know, after every match, with the exception of the War Horse match, because of Mike Cardona was Cardona was the big reveal there. After every match, there's the big thing. He you get the you get the ring, and then you know even some of them got the pyro, and it's the hug, and you you're a good hand, good job, and all this shit, right? Mm. There was so much steam behind Scorpio because again, promises. Well, diversity is a thing. I bet you'll see a a a, a a black person, black person, or a person of color in the main event scene by the end of 2020. Well, Scorpio Scott only one close, and he was on his. He the steam was right, the promos were right, the timing was right, and the he entrance loses. theme is right. Yes, and he loses, and I can accept that because I know what Cody is doing. I can accept that, but for them to ignore this motherfucker while he's still in the ring and cut to a brand another brand new promo and story. With Brody, and then after Brody's done, you think you would think that at least Cody would acknowledge Scorpio, but they just walk out the ring and go to the next segment. The, the reason it sticks out, the reason it sticks out, and you talked about this from the word go. 
you set the expectation now, Cody, that everybody gets their big moment after the match with you and that you put them over and blah, blah, blah. You set that expectation. Yep. Because you've done it every time. All of a sudden, Scorpio don't get it. And I'm not immediately throwing Cody himself under the bus because, I mean, Sonny got the moment. So I'm not saying it's purely on him, but like, hmm. But that was also glad-handing a bit, too. Oh, very much glad-handing. But it's just like, hmm, why Scorpio don't get a moment? Also, 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 we're bringing back Brody and Cody again? Well, all uh, Brody never fought Cody. Oh, Brody, went, right. Brody went out to Moxley. But I mean, risk, risk, not to repeat. You can mix them all up because they fight the same dudes. The biggest problem is this. If Brody Lee loses Saturday, and we're going to talk about the Saturday next. Then Brody what? Lee really is Bray Wyatt all over again the first time. Like, what is the point of him being over the Dark Order and being a viable What are they afraid monster? of? You know what I'm saying? Like, well, and the thing is... No, let me take that back. No, let me take that back because I get why they're afraid because they fucking lose all the time, too. Unless it's a mix, unless it's a multi-match that Colt is involved in to further the Colt Cabana wins when he fights with the Dark Order storyline. These motherfuckers lose all the damn time, too. The big, but the, the minions should lose. Brody should be the only one winning, right? That's how you build it up. And then the one who starts winning wants to take off the mask. He like Stu Grayson. Stu Grayson can be a can really be a, a breakout breakout because Stu Grayson is the only one that looks good and wins. Now, the bigger problem is don't put Brody in a situation. Stop putting him in situations where he has to lose. It doesn't. In fact, go better than that. If Brody Lee is Mr. Brody Lee and he's this big of a mysterious, mysterious and hulking figure, Brody should probably wrestle six times a year, dog. Well, let me ask you a question, though. Let me ask you a serious question, especially right now. Who are the singles baby faces in AEW? Singles? Um, and you're Cody? not. Yeah, you're not counting. In a tag team that can be singles, yes. No, no tag- I'm talking about like actively right now singles wrestling. Cody, oh. Moxley, Scorpio, Scorpio, and Orange Cassidy. Those are the ones I can think of the top of my head. That's it. Because uh, Kenny and Hang- but that doesn't matter. But, but what I'm saying, like Kenny and Hangman are still a tag team. Oh, Darby. Trent is still Trent is doing best friends with um, Chuck. Yeah, I forgot about Darby, but, like, I'm not into Darby, so, like, I, I forgot about him. Um, but, uh, so, like, okay, we'll throw Darby in there. But I'm saying you got five total active singles baby faces right now that, you're, that are, like, consistently being spotlighted that we even know who they are. Yes. Cassidy's involved with Jericho. Sure. Well, technically, the entire inner circle. Right. Well, the best friends in the inner circle are engaged in stuff. Yes. Um, Moxley is going MJF. through it with MJF. So, so that's, again, yeah. a group. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Scorpio just had his one-off thing with Cody, but he wasn't doing nothing. He's going to say aimless, by the way. Yep. Uh, Darby is... With Taz's crew. Yeah, he's kind of fighting Taz's crew. Um, And who did we say the... Cody was... Oh, you didn't mention Cody. Oh, so, okay, the reason I didn't mention Cody is so those are the singles baby faces other than Colt Cabana. And Colt is actively involved in joining the cult of the Dark Order. Um, so unless Brody was fighting Scorpio, which I'd be here for. Book it. I'm on board. That's, um, that's, that's the feud that he can win. Unless that's the feud that he's in, there is no singles baby face. And so like, the only reason I brought it up is I'm saying that like, because of what, how they're booking characters right now and, the, and who they've got right now, all of the big singles people are heels. All of them. Except almost, for the two or three baby faces that they're trying to push. It almost makes you wonder why they didn't break up Hangman and Kenny earlier so that we could have a fully formed FTR versus Young Bucks te- uh, feud that didn't have to involve this tertiary team that really doesn't have any reason to be a part of it. I agree, but even then, we create a different conundrum there, because when that happens, so when that happens, and if it happens the way that we think it should, and most of the fans think it should, when Hangman turns on Kenny, um, so now we've got another mega top shit heel in Push to the Moon, just turned on a member of the elite, Hangman. And now we've got Kenny joining the babyface squad. So we've still got a dearth of singles babyfaces if we're talking about singles heels. So unless we start running some more heel versus heel stuff, or we have some of these factions start breaking up, or they start pushing some of these thrown-together singles guys that are in tag teams, like Sonny and Joey Janela could both be singles mid-card guys. They could. Yeah, all SCU can all be singles guys because Chris Daniels is one of the Chris Daniels is yes, Chris Christopher Daniels is one of the most decorated wrestlers in the in the twenty first century. Like I know the argument, and I mean I know the argument is you know if you break up SCU or you break up Best Friends, Chucky and Kaz don't have as high a ceiling as Daniels and Trent, but like. I've said it I've said it once, I've said it a million times. We have got to get rid of this myth that there's anything wrong with being a mid-carter. Yes, and let's expound upon that, but I want to make one more point before we can expound upon that. WWE is showing you, and AEW, and every other company has shown you in doses, that you don't have to break up teams or groups just to have them go on singles runs. And if there's any company that has the tag team equity to do it, it's an EW because they got about 20 right now. Like, they don't need all that many because you only got two hours a show, and then you want to throw 17 matches in an hour and a half on dark. And then you get, by the way, tag team appreciation night, but the women's tag team tournament just gets a, a minor mention on they AEW, get talked on, on about, but they don't, yeah, they get talked about, but they don't get no shine on tag team appreciation night. No appreciation uh, at all. No, 
yeah, no, you know, that doesn't leave us salty. But no, there's no reason that they can't develop a uh, mid-card singles division with the likes of Daniels or Kaz, whichever one, Chucky T, uh, Jungle, Jungle Boy. Boy. Yep, Jungle Boy. And Hell, Luchasaurus! Uh, yeah, like, for real. Either of them. Not Marco Stunt. Never no. Marco Stunt. No. Never Marco Stunt. Marco Torito. Yes. Um, yes. In, fact, in fact, I'm going to say it. You might not agree, but it's for me. Marco has reached Kalisto status for me. Like, well, he just, he booty, and everything that he's included in becomes booty. For Marco to have reached Kalisto status, I would have had to care about him first. Ooh. Ooh. With the facts. Um, does Cody need to lose to Brody Saturday? Is that something that needs to happen? I feel like it does just because I get what Cody's trying to do. But number one, we booked Brody into a corner. Like you said, if Brody loses, then like there's no, first of all, if Brody loses, the only other singles baby face for him to go after at this point is Scorpio. But like, or you can find do the cult, you can find do the cult story. Or you could go ahead. Yeah. And pull the trigger on that. Or you could have, you know, have Colt turned down joining the cult and go which actually that. would be which actually would be a perfect story for the the title. If if Brody wins it, Colt's like, well, hey, look, Brody, we're friends. I've looked out for you, even though I'm not a part of your group. I've done what you've asked. Uh, let me get a title shot. Well, and thanks, it's thanks a perfect. Well, it's also a perfect thing because that's a feud that Brody should win because Colt Cabana has. No problem telling you he's in the mid card because he's a part time commentator. Oh, he's he's he is there simply for the purpose of losing. <laughs> yeah, he's like he, I want to wrestle is. sometimes because I think like I legitimately feel like the reason he went to AEW from Ring of Honor is because he wants to still wrestle sometimes. Yeah, because he still enjoys it. Oh, and well, ROA. Well, and yeah, that too, that too. But I also think, you know, he still legit enjoys it and wants to wrestle sometimes. And ROH was just like, nah, dog, you full-time, you full-time with uh, Ian. You full-time with Ian. Bro, they have completely sidelined, uh, they completely sidelined Colt and Caprice Coleman. Like, does Caprice Coleman still own wrestling gear? I don't even know. <laughs> and you know, what the, but you know what the crazy thing is? But you know what the crazy thing is? Ian, Colt, and Caprice were a great... Commentary trio. Ian is tremendous as a lead. Yes. He's tremendous. Yes. Give him his well, credit. But you know, but I give him his credit, but I think Ian, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Ian has a lot in common with Kevin Kelly in terms of this is what happens when your lead commentator is a guy who's very knowledgeable about your product and the message that your product is trying to put out. Yeah. And is very passionate about that. Yeah. Because We've seen Kevin Kelly be a lead commentator in other places, and he wasn't bad, but, like, he's so amazing with New Japan because, like, that's his shit, number one. He loves it. That's his shit. He knows exactly what kinds of stories this company wants to tell and how they want to tell them. So what you're saying is Ian Riccoboni and Kevin Kelly are the Michael Cole of their companies? Oh, God. You know... I think the problem, Cole's got three problems. Like, I'm just going to break them down. Cole's got three problems. 
the first one is the biggest one. Michael Cole has been a lead commentator for WWE since the Attitude Era. Since yeah, the, that's a problem. The mid-90s. That's the number one problem. Yeah. Is we have heard this motherfucker for almost 30 years. And he hasn't changed a lot of his phrasings very much over the course of that time. And, like, you know, the reason I say that's his main problem is because you see the same thing with JR. The only difference is Michael Cole's not as old as JR, so Michael Cole's not having the mental lapses that JR is having. But JR and King, it's the same thing. It's like, you have been a commentator on this TV for so fucking long that your shit is old and I'm not with it no more. Mm-hmm. Cole's other number one problem is a problem that every commentator has in WWE. They got to get out their ears. Vince especially, but it's not just Vince. Like, I know, I know Hunter's in people's ears. I know Sean's in people's ears Kevin now. Dunn. Like, Kevin Dunn's in people's ears. Like, they have got to get out these motherfuckers' ears. Because yeah. I know it hurts their commentary. And you know that because when you see shows where they're not in, Ke- in Cole's ear as much, it's a totally different oh, Michael Cole. The the United Kingdom tournament that Cole called with Nigel McGinnis. And by the way, when the when when, when this furlough is over, hopefully they can bring Nigel back because he's tremendous. Uh, but Cole and Nigel, those two nights, if if that didn't remind you that Michael Cole can be the can be and honestly in most cases is the best in the business at that position, you weren't listening. He was amazing. He was fan. Fantastic, and I'm I'm ready personally for Cole to go ahead and take that good old cushy. Uh, I'm ready for him to be the guy in people's ear. Well, he's being groomed for that. That's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. ready for him to go ahead and be the guy in people's ear because because the other thing about that is the other thing about that is I'm a firm believer that management should be the people who have done the job already. Like, Amen, I'm sir. a teacher. I'm a teacher. I want my assistant principals and principals to have been in the classroom recently. That's why That's why commentary worked, at, at, like, in the early 90s and early two, the 90s and Monsoon, the 2000s. Because Monsoon and... Vince. I was going to say Vince. Vince was yeah. a commentator. You know, back before, Vin, back before Vince reached the age, like, this really is... It is a valid criticism for Vince. He has reached an age where, like, you are just out of touch now. You yeah. can't do it anymore. You are too old to really yeah. relate. You know, it's the same thing. You know, we don't get political on this show. and We're not going to get political on the show. But it's the same thing. Like, Joe Biden keeps putting his foot in his mouth because he's a 78-year-old fucking man. A 78-year-old white man who can't, he can't but do so much to communicate in the language of 2020. He speaks, and old white bullshit comes out. And we're just like, bro. Just shut up. Just can't, you can't Kamala talk? Yeah, like, why, why you have to speak? Let Kamala talk. Let Kamala talk. And in the case of Vince now, it's like, Vince, let Sean and Hunter talk. Or Steph. Yeah. <laughs> Bring Shane yeah. and Stephanie yeah. in here. Yeah. They, yeah. Like, why the boomer in your ear? Put the Gen Xer on that headset. And so, like, so I firmly believe when we get to the point where they're finally ready to let Cole be the guy who's talking to Tom and Beth and Renee 
and Corey and the younger crew, I think it'll improve the commentary because Cole is a commentator. And so, yeah, he'll still be in their ear, but he's going to do it differently. He's going to phrase it differently. Like, it is so much easier to have somebody who can speak your language. This is, and so, like, the most poignant part of that, what you said was somebody who's done it recently. Because in, Michael Cole has almost has almost pioneered calling in the calling wrestling in the age of social media because well, he's the guy who's had to push all the the hashtags and all the trends and, and all that. Outside of WWE currently, if you don't believe us, look at Taz. I'm not even bullshit. Look at Taz. They that threw Taz with Cole. They threw Taz with Cole when they decided that Taz's injuries were such that they didn't want him in the ring anymore. And they were just like, you still want a job? We'll let you be in the booth. And they threw Taz with Cole on SmackDown. And I'm not saying Taz learned literally everything from Cole, but like, you want to talk about somebody who like was formative in him learning it. Yeah. JR played that role too, but like Taz is not the same commentator if he doesn't work with Michael Cole for a decade. Graves. I know Graves didn't start with Cole, but Cole, when Cole's not on the road, Cole's at the Performance Center and was training Graves from, from scratch, and now they work together, and Graves is the top. I mean, Don Callis is great, too. No diss. But between he's Graves and Don Callis are probably your top play, um, um, color guys in the business. We've really... The, talk about the Scatterbrained episode. Uh, New name. Um, I, I want I want to hit on one more thing about AEW. Um, uh, one more major thing, and I know you want to talk about the the them moving days for next week, but well, um, that's a short topic, and yeah. that's easily handled. Let's get to the bigger one, though. Um, so you kind of alluded to it earlier, but um, kind of the hook of the entire show. Was was tag team appreciation night. FTR tag team appreciation night. And the reason yeah. it was specifically FTR tag team appreciation night is I'm going to give credit to the storytelling. They made a big thing when FTR was refusing to sign a contract about one of their demands was that they have a tag team wrestling appreciation night mm-hmm. devoted to tag team matches and blah, blah, blah. And no conditions to signing the contract now we can talk about how this was tag team appreciation night and yet the two biggest matches on the card were still singles matches um we could also talk about how there's actively a women's tag team tournament going on right now but they didn't get to have even one match on tag how, team appreciation night how about a tag team appreciation night and you only brought in two legend tag teams of all the legends that sit at home and then you uh, used those legend tag teams just so they could fillet the Bucks and the Revival. So let's go into that a little bit. Rock and Roll Express, who I think most people know the Bucks kind of pattern themselves after. Yep. Um, and, almost, uh, in almost every way. They are the Rock and Roll Express and the Rockers put well, into the fusion machine. Except fucking the bitches. Yes, because they're... Hashtag Christian AF. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky had a different one every night, bro. Sometimes too. So <laughs> shout out to well, Ricky. And, uh, well, and Marty Janetti killed a guy. 
Well, <laughs> hey Marty, I think you might want to lay low a while because uh, that's murder. <laughs> and they're actively investigating it now because you snitched on yourself on Facebook because you tired of not being relevant. Two who'd people. Who to guess? Thirty years later, that we find out Sean really was the face for putting Marty through the barbershop window. I've tried to tell. I've been trying to tell you about Sean for years. Y'all won't listen to me. Remember, Sean got into the fight with whoever it was about the Black Lives Matter, and Sean was like, "They they do matter." Like, they'll learn. Sean, to, they'll learn to listen to us eventually. One day. They'll one learn day. one day because we done told them about so many things. We told him the Miz was the face, and he was right. <laughs> I'm just look. I'm I'm just waiting on my props one day. But to finish setting the scene. The, the Rock and Rolls were there, and um, Arn and Tully, who were employed. Tully Blanchard is Sean Spears, the Mega, Mega Hill Sean Spears uh, manager. He's um, also low-key He's also low key stalking Cody and FTR, because we know what the rumor is. Well, don't get there yet. You jumped the gun. Don't get there yet. Oh, I'm sorry. We're we, we going to get there, because that's a, a big part of the conversation. But, yes... T- Tully's there. Be- Tully was there because he's already employed. He manages Sean Spears. Arn was there. Tully and Arn, the Brainbusters, were together, of course. And Arn, of course, is the head coach of the Nightmare Factory or the Nightmare Collective or the Nightmare Folks, Cody Rhodes. And there. I just had an idea for the rumor that would be better, that would make more storyline sense and still make sense when we think about how Cody is cosplaying as his dad. Yeah, it's going to happen. Exactly what's going to happen. Yes. Oh, so, oh you think that's what's going to happen? Good, yes. good, good. We'll get to it when we get to it. We're yes. going to get to it when we get to it. And I'll say what I think. But anyway. So, of course, it, it was a stark kind of contrast with FTR and their guys, and the Bucks, and their guys, and Tully grabs the mic and proceeds to shoot on every motherfucking body, like Tully motherfucking Blanchard only can do. You guys don't respect the business. You guys are in there trying to do all this shit. But y'all, it was hilarious to watch, because he was spitting truth. Part of the whole thing was, you're not the tag team champions, and you're not the tag team champions. But y'all talk all this hot shit. Arn takes the mic, and he sees... Sean Spears start kind of sauntering his ass out. As you said, he's been stalking them. And Owen's like, oh no, I know what's happening. Fuck this. And leaves. <laughs> As he does so, the Bucks and Tully go out of the ring to go see what Spears is doing and have a little shoving match. And Dax just happens to fall and tweak his knee because Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Dax's knee is as weak as Matt Jackson's back. And Takes we off. all know that he wears a knee brace as thick as Steve Austin in the early 2000s. And walks, and walks with the worst limp than Mick Foley. Yes. And he takes off the knee brace, and they proceed to beat the holy hell out of Ricky and Robert. And give, probably Ricky, because Ricky gets all the beatdowns anyway, the Super Spike Pile Driver, which, by the way, was Arn and Tully's finisher. Bum, 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 bum. And they roll out ring and Kenny and Hangman and of course Hangman's glass of whiskey run out to the ring and like, bro, what's happening? What you do? Well, well, let's let's be fair. Let's be fair. Kenny 
and the Bucks were like, bro, what the fuck? What happened? What to do? Hangman was doing cowboy shit. He held his whiskey, paced around the ring, looked around, confused. It was just like, the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> Where is my refill? Okay, so so let's let's get to the crux of the argument because let's get to the crux of the conversation. Yes, we know it's self-relating, but I really want to talk about the more interesting part. You just had an epiphany of what you think is going to happen. Tell the people because I think it's the same thing that I think is going to happen and right. some of the fans do. So, so, y'all, we all know that the rumor is they're putting together a new school for horsemen. Yes. We know that's the rumor. And a lot of people seem to think that Cody is going to be the center of this. But, like, not <laughs> y'all because Cody is cosplaying as his daddy right now. Cody is Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes don't fuck with no four horsemen. So here's what's going to happen. So here's what's going to happen. So here's what's going to happen. And it makes so much sense because it's already there. We know Hangman going to turn on Kenny. And we know Hangman going to sign with FTR. And they going to start being the thing. And so that's not going to be the big reveal. The big reveal is when Cody comes out to be like, yo, what the fuck happens? And then Arn beats the dog shit out of Cody. And then Tully and Sean come out. And Hangman is the Ric Flair in the new Four Horsemen yep. that are going to beat the dog shit out of Cody at every turn. And here's, that I am here for. Here's, here's the giveaway. The giveaway was when Tully looked at, at Arn and said... This shit you got in your chest right here, talking about the nightmare Cody's logo. He was like, You gotta be ashamed of yourself for this. And Arn was like, and I love, you know, Arn is an ownery ass old dude. He was like, Well, first and foremost, I've been the grown ass man a long time, so I could do whatever the hell I want. But, and as he's about to hit his retort, Sean Spears saunters his ass out there. For the record, for those of you who don't understand where the glove gimmick is coming from with Sean Spears, Barry Wyndham used to have the glove. And Sean Spears is cosplaying, or giving homage to Barry Wyndham, who was, you know, you can, nobody, can, nobody can talk about Oli anymore because Oli's just too much of a dick. So the, the next four horsemen of choice, we, we don't talk about the Sting years, we don't talk about the Luger years, don't talk about the Paul Roma years. Or you the got to go to years. We, well, well, Benoit wasn't the fourth, remember? Benoit was a whole new version. Cause it was it was it was Flair, Benoit, Mongo, and it was Arn was the fourth who gave his spot to Kurt Henning, who turned on them, who then had you to give their crazy? spot to Dean Malenko. But you know what's crazy about this whole thing? Like we're we're putting it all together, and you know what's crazy about the whole thing? The only person in this storyline who's not cosplaying as anybody is Hangman, and he' about to beat a Ric Flair in this group. Well, see, that's what you think. You think it's not cosplaying, but Ric Flair was drunk from the years of 69 to 85. Motherfucker, so, be real. Ric Flair was drunk from the, from the years of 69 to 2005. Good point. Until he had a heart attack. So, yeah, good point. No, I don't even think it was that. Like, and I'm, I'm going to say this with a straight face because like, I won't even joke about it. I think when his kid died. Yeah. I think when, when Reed died, that's what got him sober. Probably. As someone like as someone who grew up in Charlotte, like I I think that that's really what got him to like really start to get his shit together. 
Well, yeah, and I mean, if you know the stories, Ashley, aka Charlotte, has told yeah. the story a myriad of times about how Reed wanted to be like exactly like his dad, and Reed was going to wrestle, and Reed convinced Charlotte, Ashley. I know we don't call them by their real names, but for the purposes of this conversation to wrestle with her and then Reed died and Charlotte was like, well, I got to live his legacy now. And it just ended up having lucky into being the greatest women's wrestler of all time. So, um, yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. But nonetheless, it, it makes perfect sense. And while I hate the whole fact that we're doing four horsemen reboot number 75 makes sense. But again, all the self for late Cody Garrett I'm sorry, Garrett Cody Runnels. Cody and his first name, y'all. Oh, no, know. it's not all just to self-relate Cody, because now we're crossing into the Bucks storyline. Hold on, because now we're crossing into the Bucks storyline, and Matt and Nick Jackson don't do anything for a purpose other than self-relating themselves. Sure, but we, we the Bucks, the Bucks and FTR have wanted to have their match for years. So it, it makes sense to at least have the match draw some money. That'll draw money. But all of this and dismiss. The whole reason, remember how much, remember how disgusted we were to say that when Arn Anderson came out and and backed up Cody and was in second in Cody, and that's that was a year ago. That was against that was against Sean Spears. Like, you know, you're right, and I think a big part of it is just you know, as I'm sure people have picked up on over the last couple episodes, I'm real salty about the Bucks right now because like these are two men who legitimately are one of the greatest tag teams of all time and are capable of wrestling at an insane level and doing amazing shit. And yet for the last month, they have debased themselves to legit just coordinated stunt brawlers who are doing highly choreographed and insanely extra spots in every match for no fucking reason. And so they're, knowing they're having how talented they are, they're having what? They're having Marvel movie-esque fights. Yes. Yes. And it just pisses me off because I'm just like, y'all are one of the best to ever do it and are capable of doing it so well. And this is what you present me with? And you're supposed to be the serious company? Well, I mean, you know, because they were supposed to be the, 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 the more sports-centric company. But, you know, you got Dark Order and you had the Nightmare Collective and you got Orange Cassidy here and all. The, but, um, shut up. Um, but, I, I, so, if nothing else, wrestling has to have, the summer of wrestling normally breeds a story to hook you until the winter, right? Historically, there's always supposed to be one big story that starts in the summer that gets you to Survivor Series until you can get to, to WrestleMania season. And it's almost the same because we know the two, there are a myriad of other shows, but in AEW, the two big shows are All Out and um, Double or Nothing. And Double or Nothing. Double or Nothing is in, um, is it Memorial Day weekend? Yes. Yes. And All Out is Labor Day weekend, right? So there's a whole lot of time in between both. So this Four Horsemen thing can last you. Forever, because you have so many stories. Kenny got to get his retribution. The books got to get their retribution. Cody got to get the retribution. We still waiting on the blood and guts match. That never happened. Well, you can have your blood and guts match between the four horsemen and the elite again. Well, and all out, and all out is a perfect launching pad for the entire oh, storyline. 
Like that's the perfect that's the perfect launching pad. You have Hangman and Kenny lose the belts and Hangman turning on Kenny, or you have Hangman turning on Kenny to cost them the belts, however you want to fucking do it. But like that's how you launch the shit off. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? It'll be the right move. It will be, and it'll be compelling television. It'll be compelling television. Done right. So, you know, exactly. And that's the big thing. You know, I'm, I'm really, I'm starting to get increasingly frustrated at the inconsistent psychology in both AEW and WWE right now. Yes. And it's, it's, super noticeably bad i don't know if people are slacking off on it because they don't have the crowd to play to or what it is but i'm just like y'all i suspend my disbelief with the understanding that you're at least gonna pretend for me but like how i'm gonna watch you work this knee for 15 minutes and you not even limping yeah I'm going to watch you take a shoulder to the stairs and you still, like, do a military presses. Yeah. I mean, you damn near got to be like Sammy Guevara and, like, knock the living fuck out of Matt Hardy to get to have somebody sell some shit. Although, moment of AEW, I will say, was when Sammy came out during the commercial break with the signs, picture in picture, to Matt Hardy. Just fucking mad shit. Have you have you seen the behind the scenes of that? So they have that video. They have that video with with uh without the the backing track, and like the the cameras like the cameraman is telling him stretch, bro. He had to stretch for like a whole other thirty minutes. That's why he picked the cards back up. He started tearing the cards, started staring off in the distance, like he was he was they were stretching for time, like thirty more minutes, bro. Thirty more minutes, bro. Speaking of that, go ahead and I want you to before we move off, before we close the close the book on AEW for this show. Um, AEW will be on Saturday this week instead of Wednesday. This week they'll be on Saturday, and I want to say this week they'll be on Saturday. Next week they'll be after the conclusion of the game, and then the following week they will also be on Saturday. Okay. Um, and. I think it's interesting these Saturday shows because I think what the I think what the Saturday shows are going to show us is I think will give you a better idea of what is the size of the core dynamite audience. Who are the people who who are the people who aren't just watching because it's Wednesday night and that's something on TNT on Wednesday night. Who are the people that are going out of their way to watch AEW? And I think that I think we could see a couple of things. Um, We could see them draw similar numbers to what they currently draw on Wednesday. And I think, I think honestly, that's their ideal scenario is just like, Hey, can we match our number in this weird new time slot? Here's Um, here's the reason why they won't, it won't maybe later on, but the first week they won't. Cause you know what next Saturday is take over 30. I totally had forgotten about that. <laughs> um, yeah, next weekend is SummerSlam weekend. Jesus Christ, where is the time going? Mm-hmm. Um, but, well, no, so, like, 
even, but I was just saying that would be their best case scenario is doing right. the same numbers. They're, well, that's not their best case scenario, but that's what they should shoot for. Their best case scenario is do we do bigger numbers because we're not competing with NXT? But if, if uh, TakeOver 30 is that night, then they are still competing with NXT. Yeah. Um, and then the worst case scenario is you have a smaller audience, but even then it's like, well, how much smaller and how bad is that? Because if we're talking like you're on Saturday at like eight or nine o'clock and instead of getting 900,000, you get six or 700,000, that's not super alarming. Okay. So this week they did 720. Right. right. That's so that's a that's not the exact number, but it's about seven twenty, right? All right? So not their high, but around their average. Yeah, their average is anywhere from seven hundred to eight hundred. <laughs> but if you're old enough like we are to remember when Raw used to be preempted twice a year for the dog show. Or tennis. The, remember when it was preempted for fucking tennis all the damn that, time? Yeah, they did shit one time and Vince was like, Never again, pal. <laughs> Um, but they when they did the Saturday the Saturday Raws, the numbers were horrendous because people are programmed to watch to program watch to watch wrestling at the time it comes on, and you might not everybody might not see the advertisements to watch it on the new day, so there's no way if they get the same number then that lets us know that they're really a powerhouse. I think that Takeover Thirty notwithstanding. Just the fact that they're moving to a different date, just the fact that people have not gotten used to that date yet, right? You made us, you hit it, the nail on the head. This will show their core group, the people who care about AEW in a diehard fashion and don't just watch it because it's on Wednesdays, or more importantly, which nobody talks about, don't watch it so people don't, so the numbers don't be look good for NXT, right? I think that they're, the ceiling is 500,000. And that's not because they don't have a good product. That's all of the factors put together. You average seven hundred to eight hundred thousand. You're on a different night. There was a pay per view against your time. There are sports, real live sports now, going against everything you're doing. And you're on a night where people actually like to go the fuck out. Well, so and it's not really just tough. real live sports because I mean, in the age, well, not e- and not even so much people like to go out because it's the age of COVID, so we're not going out as much. But like, it's not just that there are sports; both the NHL and NBA are in playoffs now. Yeah. Like, we're yes. the, like we're at the point where by by Saturday of next week, the NHL could be almost done with round one. Uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and the NBA will be neck deep in round one. Yeah, getting started and getting good. Yep. And so, like, this isn't just, oh, yeah, it's the summer doldrums of bullshit baseball season and preseason football while we all wait for college football to come back. This is, like, meaningful games. This is, like, meaningful games in sports that people, like, do care about because... I got news for him. I will probably still watch it because it's in my DVR and it will record. So, like, I'll still watch it at some point. But, like, if one of these hockey games goes into quadruple overtime again, miss me with with the dynamite. Or Dame Liverpool on the show like he's been putting on the past eight games. Or, I'm sorry, the fact that 
takeover, which has been the most consistently great. Oh, wait, I'm definitely watching TakeOver for... I'm definitely watching at least one match in TakeOver because even though I think they're going to let fucking Pat McAfee go over, I will pay money just to watch him get beat up. I don't don't see it because, as I predicted before anybody else did, give me my props. Undisputed Error, the Mature Boys are turning face. I guess you might have said something like that at some point. I, well, I, I don't know. The dream has no memory of that. Well, we're talking about that bastard. Um, we are talking about that bastard. Hold on, Unfortunately. Before we get there, I just want to run off some of these matches to let you know how heavy they hidden, right? Karrion Cross versus Keith Lee. Name, name alone is a big match, but the build has been great. Dakota Kai versus Dakota. You got um, the you got the five way ladder match between Damian Priest, Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, um, fuck, the other two guys who are, I don't remember right now. I'm sorry, uh, but for the North American title, you got McAvee versus Cole. You're probably going to have Mercedes Martinez versus Rhea Ripley, and whatever you decide to do for the tag division, yes, please. Pretty, pretty, please. Yeah, but you know who's not on that card, though, Rance? You know who's not on that card and not on NXT most of the time and just almost forgotten about? Kushida? Say it a little louder because we love him on the Outsider's Edge and we will stand for life. Oh, I got a rant coming on, Kushida. I know. I was teeing you up. Journalism. Oh, do you want me to hit that now, or you want to talk about the pedophile? I set it. I set it up. Well, man, fuck the pedophile. We'll get to him when we get to him. Okay, so let me spit a little fire if you don't mind. Um, I am equal opportunity. Like I'm known as a WWE shill, but I will shit on them when they deserve to be shit on. And Yujiro Kushida is was known in in Japanese circles as the ace of the junior heavyweights. I think he was a seven-time junior he- IWGP junior heavyweight champion. Like he was the man. He wanted to be. A, he wanted to move up and be, go heavyweight. They wouldn't let him do it. He wanted to move to America. He decided, screw it, fuck it. I'm gonna come to America and sign with the E. I'm, I'm going Fed. Right? Cool. Made perfect sense because Kushida would come to NXT and instantly be a big star. Right? He did it in WWE in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. His signing is a big deal. Comes, has a, tr- a tremendous entrance. Fire theme music. They don't change him. Has an amazing match with, with Valter that, like, both the motherfuckers got hurt from that match, right? Great stuff. Kushida is on his way. Nope! Kushida has done nothing of consequence and there have been multiple opportunities for him to have some semblance of a storyline there was a time when they brought alex shelley back for them to do the dusty classic and they lost to to the grizzled young vets and alex shelley could have gotten a nice little six-month run turned on kushida and went on and had that one-on-ones that didn't work kushida was the favorite going into the cruiserweight the interim cruiserweight championship um tournament because jordan devlin First, he got stuck in Ireland because of the COVID, and then and he then messed he with... And turned out to be a piece of shit. And yes, thank you very much. You took the words out of my mouth. So, he was the favorite, right? 
what they've done with Santos Escobar and the Legado de Fantasma has been fantastic. But Kushida had to lose to Drake Maverick twice. And I love Drake. Drake is amazing. But that didn't have to happen. Right? If it, and even then, give the man a story coming out of the goddamn tournament. Nope. From that moment until this Wednesday, he has not been on TV. Was he back on TV for this Wednesday? To be in the triple threat match to find out who's going to be the the one of the last men in the North American Championship match. So one that tells me, cool, he's not just limited to cruiserweights. He's going to be a regular wrestler. Wonderful. Well-deserved. Secondly, you put him in the match with Cameron Grimes, who's hot as fish grease, and the mystery opponent. Well, who the fuck could the mystery opponent to be? It's the damn pedophile Velveteen Dream. So now, Kushida is the third mo- third least important match man in this match. And he's going to be the one who's going to carry everybody between the match, right? Not only does Kushida lose, he's the one that's pinned. After the match is over, Velveteen Dream, to get his heat back, because, of course, pedophiles can't be babyfaces unless your name is Jerry Lawler. Look it up. He comes in and powders the shit, not wrestling powder in terms of go to the outside, but like slaps and paintbrushes the shit out of Kushida until Finn Balor comes and Finn Balor must pose and shoot finger guns. And night's over. Kushida didn't even get no shine after losing. So look, help me understand this, WWE, Uncle Paul, Road Dog, Shane, uh, not Shane, Shawn Michaels, Sarah, Sarah Amato, Matt Bloom, whoever the fuck is over that company. Do you understand who the fuck you have signed to your roster? And if you don't, if you don't, figure out or do something with him or let him go somewhere where he can be appreciated. I have because never... You know, because you know who desperately needs some mid-card baby faces? Well, no, I, 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 he, I, I, I don't want him to go there, but you know who desperately needs him and would do something with him? Boy, boy, well, maybe. I, no, I, I have but, never. But, but, but to to throw throw it back, you know, Eric Young a few weeks ago made an erroneous quote where he talked about you don't have five minutes on your show for Eric Young. There's something wrong with you. I don't know if that's necessarily true. But I will say this, and I'll take it to my grave, and I know the young boy Josh Smith will back me up on this one. If you can't find five minutes on your card for Kushida, something fucking wrong with you. And, yes, NXT is fucking stacked, but Doug, all them, give him, and look, I want him to have a story. Please. But I'd be fine with him having just competitive matches once every three weeks. Something. But I have never, ever in my life, with the exception of Luke Harper, like actually preached and begged for the open release of a wrestler to go somewhere else where he's being utilized. But I am really close to it with Kushida because it has been a lot. Wrestling fans think that their favorite wrestler is a failure because they're only a two time champ, not a seven time champ. This ain't one of them cases. Kushida's literally not being used. He's literally not being used. Just use him. Just wasted. 
wasted. And it, there are so it, many it, places. I'm, I'm, I'm whether irritated. it's in NXT, whether it's in NXT or Raw or SmackDown, there are so many places that you could find something for him to do. He had options. He had fucking options. Yep, and shows NXT. And yeah, I, I'm, it just it's, it infuriates me now. Maybe that maybe they're playing the long game and they're gonna let him and Kyrie run NXT Japan. If that's the case, I'll shut up because at least you had a fucking plan. But right now, it just looks like you just signed a motherfucker and in every stereotype that all the IWC haters and people who talk all this not all this this negative stuff and nonsense about the company, all they say all the time is, "Well, you guys just sign people to hold them." It's well, not true, and, but this time it may be. Well, and there's also a recurring stereotype that they waste their Japanese talents. I don't believe that because Shinsuke has been highly, Shinsuke has uh, been highly um, um, successful. Asuka's one. Asuka's the most success. She's the most successful non-horsewoman, and if you want to keep it a buck, she's more successful than than two of them. Kyrie Sane was uber successful till she got called up. To the main roster. And Io Shirai is the queen of NXT. So that's not necessarily true. Before those guys, you could talk about it. Maybe Taka and Funaki and Togo and those guys, sure. But like in recent years, that's not entirely true. So I, I you know, I, I, I and I get it because WWE has a very horrible track record with doing well with people who aren't of Caucasoid persuasion, but they've done very well with now the problem again is expectations. Fans see their favorite and Shinsuke should be a three-time world champion. Well the motherfucker won Royal Rumble, had a WrestleMania world title match and had a SummerSlam t- world title match in the same year span. What the fuck else you want them to do? You know what I'm saying? Like so Success is varying different levels, but by and large, he's been ultra successful compared to his contemporaries. And I'll say, I'll, I'll say another thing though that like made the Kushida situation that much worse. It's bad enough he had to lose the match. It's bad enough he had to take the pinfall in the match. But then you mean to tell me he had to put over a pedophile? He had to take a beat down from a fucking pedophile? Bruh, look. First talk- of all, first of all, why the fuck is there a pedophile on my television again? Fucking a. And why is Jerry Lawler still around? Speaking of pedophiles on my television, look he it up. Around, he ain't been around since some more Joe Kid disaster occurred. Not literally, but you get my point. But yes, that that that's a problem. The the dream situation is is perplexing to me because I am very much a person who believes that everybody is innocent until proven guilty. I also, in the same breath, am pro-victim. If a victim says that somebody did something, I am inclined to believe them. So, while the victim gets my belief and the accused gets my ability to let you prove your innocence, that means you probably shouldn't be on fucking TV. Well, and the other thing there is also, correct me if I'm wrong, Please correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, sir. But like, you know, generally speaking, this part I know I'm not wrong about. Your benefit of the doubt as the accused becomes progressively less the greater the number of victims. In, indeed. Indeed. 
And correct me if I'm wrong, there are multiple accusers here. Yeah, well, there's actually the most damning one is, I believe his name is Josh Boone, is a, mm-hmm. another pro wrestler from D.C. Yep. who actually saw the shit happen. Yep. And was actually, I don't think he was so much abused or was coerced, but Dream made him feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. in many situations because they kind of came up in the Indies together, then Dream became a big star, and he was like, well, I'll take care of you, kid. And there was some undertones that was uncomfortable for him, but he called it out. And recently he said, like, I don't know what to do because I feel like, I feel shitty because, like, number one, I put my career on the line for this shit, so my career could be over because you know how wrestling is. Just just look at hashtag speaking God if you don't believe that, number one. But number two, more importantly, he's like, if I feel this shitty and I just saw shit, imagine how the fucking victims feel. There are pictures of this dude. There is audio of this dude. So either somebody is really good at framing this dude and he is the most unlucky motherfucker in the world or we just not paying attention the way we should be paying attention. And I got no problem with him not being fired. I don't have a problem with that because everybody has the right to to, to their day to prove their innocence. Enzo got fired because he that was the last straw, right? So I got no problem with Dream not being fired. Jordan Devlin ain't fired. Trent Seven ain't fired, right? I got no problem with that. Darby Allen ain't fired. Darby Allen ain't fired, right? Justin Roberts, like, I get that. But he shouldn't be on fucking TV. And if you're going to put him on TV, give us an explanation or something on the corporate page or your Twitter page. Well, or let Uncle it. Paul talk to Mike Greenberg on Get Up and say they something they about it. They didn't even announce a suspension or anything. Nothing. Like, you know, say what you... Like, Say what you will, you know, I, I still, you know, I don't forgive Darby Allen, and I'm not here for Darby Allen, but, like, I wasn't a huge fan of his to begin with, but, like, at least he was suspended. Sammy was suspended. And other people within WWE have been fired Joe and suspended. Joe Coffey you know? was suspended, yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know, Austin Theory's been sidelined. Like, they didn't announce a suspension yet, but he's been, like, indefinitely sidelined. So it's like, they have punished other people. There has been no, like, communicated consequences or punishment for any of this. And now he just back on fucking TV. And I'm going to read this, um, this note from Fightful about Velveteen Dream. Because while the, while, while the, the abuse and the possible pedophilia is definitely something that's new to the surface... There has been a lot of behavioral problems with Dream over the years, with him kind of almost big-timing people and feeling like he was above the business. But uh, this is a news item from them, and this is one of their exclusive news items. Um, The return of Velveteen Dream was kept very private, and most wrestlers only knew about it in the minutes ahead of the NXT show in which he performed. There has long been significant heat on Velveteen Dream for behavioral issues and what is perceived as preferential treatment in multiple situations that would have had most anyone else fired. This was also the case with his return, and WWE has not provided any update or disciplinary action taken towards him for any instance or accusations. So, like, this isn't just... If this was, like, your first... I'm not going to say offense. I'm going to say your first accusation or the first opportunity for something to be this wrong... 
I man, I don't I don't know if I give you the benefit of the doubt, but I give you if a chance to prove the first prove, sign that there was a problem. Yeah, I give you a chance to prove I give you a chance to prove that that either that this isn't all true or you need help, right? I give you a chance. That's fine. I believe in second chances. But he been fucking up the whole time. Mm-hmm. So and like, they just keep glossing over it. At what point does at what point does your talent outweigh your usefulness? And you know, this isn't a new problem. Oh god. Nor is it unique to wrestling. Oh no. But I think I think one of the things that makes things different with wrestling is that wrestling as an industry depends upon a certain level of interaction between its performers and its consumers. Mm-hmm. A certain level of direct interaction mm-hmm. between its performers and its consumers. And so, like, as a result of that, we know a lot more generally about wrestlers and the situations involving wrestlers than we do in these other industries. But, like, I mean, just look at almost any wrestler who was big during the golden age in the 80s. Like, literally all of them were either doing drugs, beating on men or women, depending on their sexual preference, or both, um, doing drugs and beating on men or women. (laughs) (laughs) Serial cheaters. Serial cheaters. Um, we have some terrible in the parents. We have some murderers in the bunch. Yep, terrible parents. Oh. Um, and a lot of that shit flew under the radar because in the eighties, the commitment to kayfabe was so strong. In the nineties, you know, people don't like to bring it up, and he gets a lot of a pass because, by all indicators, you know, he's calmed down a lot in as he's aged. Austin was a serial spousal abuser. Yeah. Multiple divorces because he beat his wives. Yeah. They had restraining orders against him. You want if you if you if you want to wonder why Deborah is not in the wrestling business anymore. That's why. Because the Vince essentially had to choose between this valet that is really excellent at her job and gets pretty much every performer that she works with over. And the real meal ticket. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he chose the meal ticket. And so, like, you know, I'm not, and I'm not trying to shit on Austin, like, exclusively. I'm just saying, like, it's not new, but the difference is we were committed to kayfabe in the 80s, so nobody really knew about it. In the 90s, we knew a little bit more. Like, we knew... Austin had some legal problems. We knew the rumors about Sean being a partier and a dick. Like, the the curtain started to be peeled back, but, like, now, in the age of social media, like, mm-hmm. the curtain has pulled back a lot more to the point where they take advantage of that and use it to work the audience. Um, yes, the reality era. Yeah, the reality era is that's how they're working you now. But sending a a dick pic to a 15-year-old is a little bit too reality for my liking. Well, no, like, no, I just mean, like, now we know all the shit. So, like, whereas in the 80s, you got away with pushing Hogan still, in spite of him being a racist, or pushing 
insert person here in spite of them being a drug addict or a spousal abuser or whatever because people didn't know nothing yeah because kayfabe in the 90s you were able to get away with it because number one crash tv and you acclimate the audience to not respecting women Mm. um but then number two they knew more but they didn't know as much Mm. now everything out in the open and you had the big movement of speaking out and like it was put out there and it's being corroborated. And it's just like, we know now that this man has been accused of some serious fucked up yep. shit. It's, de- it's so depressing because he's so fucking good. What a main event at a WrestleMania. I, without oh. question in my head, in my mind. It's so... Only in his early 20s. Only in his early fucking 20s. Had a huge fucking career set up ahead of him. Well, we said had. A motherfucker might be have because Paul putting him out there. You know? So I don't know, man. I don't know. And then worse come to worse, he'll still work the indies. Yep. Because somebody will always give him a job because they want to cash in on the controversy, if nothing else. And, And Patrick Clark, it may be a WWE creation, but like... He was he, he was on the Indies before he before he got went to Tough Enough. Oh yeah, if he That's gets fired, Leo if, if he gets fired, he'll call himself Patrick the Dream Clark, or he'll just call himself the Dream. Well, when when he started the gimmick, he was Patrick Clark, but he was doing the gimmick mm-hmm. until I guess he came up with the name Velveteen Dream. But yes, it's, it's myriad of there's myriad of things he can do. You know, like. A bunch of names you can do. These guys' names that they choose after they leave WWE sometimes are so stupid. Like, what the fuck is a cash is a cash wilder? You my know? thing is, my thing is with that with that particular thing. My thing is like, why did you feel the need for your names to be similar to Dash and Dawson in the first place? Like, there is no reason you had to. You could have gone back to your old indie names if you wanted to. Cause the team, cause it, cause y'all are a tag team, tag team. So like the team name is the only thing that fucking matters anyway. So like that one makes no fucking sense. Some of okay. them do make sense. Like Matt Cardona is his actual fucking name. So like I get it. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's oh, the gosh. other. That's the other baby face that they could use that Brody Lee should be. I didn't say I was here for it. Um, that like. So, you sign Matt Cardona, but you don't have the space or the room to sign women. And we had to have a viral Twitter campaign to get Eddie Kingston signed. But Rance, but Rance, but Rance, but Rance, Rance. Who's Cody's legit best friend in the whole world? Like, actual, 100% bestie for life? Don't care. I'm not saying you're. I'm not saying your your criticism is absolutely valid because this is nepotism. This is nepotism, but like, it pays to be best friends with the boss. Yeah, I mean it does. You're right. I just you know it's why it's why Dolph Ziggler would have a job there in a heartbeat if he asked for one. He don't want one, but if he asked for one, would have it in a heartbeat because that's a click. It's well, I mean. You know, the three of them, Miz and Morrison, are a click. Well, you know, the, the, the wave, the new wave is signing them WWE releases with the quickness. Like, there's a, 
There's a spoiler that I don't. It's it's rumored not to be true, so I don't know if it's true or not. So if it is true, I apologize. Spoiler alert! I gave you five seconds. Spoiler alert! But there's a rumor that to what that Eric Rowan, Joseph Rudd is the name he's using because that's the real name, shows up in a mask to help Brody Lee beat Cody. Like that's the that's the move. You sign these WWE guys to quickness. And so I don't know how they're gonna help. In I mean, AEW. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I think the reason I don't know is just because, like, everybody that gets let go from WWE thinks that they were misutilized, and that if they had only been used better or used the right way, they would have been the big hot shit stars. The problem is. That can't be true for literally all of y'all. Like, it, it just can't be. Roster positioning is a thing. And so, like, you can't all be this damn good. They had to be right about some of y'all. Uh, 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 like, uh, uh, uh. They they had to. Some of y'all just must be scrubs. I mean, law of averages, right? Yeah. Like, just being real. Some of y'all got to be scrubs. Okay. So I got a question for you. I got one more question for you that we can get out of here. All right. Um, Have you seen or heard the rumors about what WWE is doing for SummerSlam and going forward? I have seen the rumor that it will... Not be at the performance center. No, that's why Retribution tearing that shit up. Um, I've heard the rumor that they're moving to the Amway Center for SummerSlam. Yes. I've also heard the rumor that their dumbasses are going to Florida and let people in the building. Well, so that's not that's not quite all true yet. They are exploring doing of like few of some very few fans, and since they got a. 13,000 seat arena. It's not that big a deal if you have 500 fans in the arena. I guess you put out. them in the upper deck. You can put them you can put them in the lower bowl just make sure that each one is I'm talking I would put them all in the upper deck just from the standpoint of I'm trying to make my performers and my crew as comfortable as possible. That's with this whole situation. And so like and this is just me personally if I'm in charge I want my performers and crew to be as comfortable as possible with this situation. So if I'm going to do the stupid and foolish thing of allowing people into arenas right now when we still don't have the shit under control, then the least I can do other than mandating masks, obviously, is I can put them in an arena that size. I can put them all in the upper bowl. That way there's a whole lower bowl between them and my people. Yeah, but see that, that but and I, I get why I get why you're saying that what you're saying that for, but that kills the point. The whole point of having having fans in the in the building. And that's not that wasn't the reason I brought this up, because that's not even a, a, a that's not even a substantiated rumor yet. That's just talk. There's mainly talk because AEW's been having some fans in there at, at Debbie's place. But the whole purpose of having fans in the building would be for the to be camera ready. So the cameras can see the fans in the building. If you have them in the upper deck, you have to do a wide shot to show them. And then you show all this emptiness. Now, 
the interesting thing I think what they're doing with the Amway is they're gonna kind of make it very virtual friendly. The plexiglass, of course, is gonna be up around the around the ringside area. But they're also talking about the one now this is a substantiated rumor of doing something similar to what the NBA has done in the bubble with the video screens. I think that can be cool. And apparently with the video screens, they're going to make it to where you can hear the fans. So it'll still be like you're performing in front of live people with the live reaction. Like, I think that'll be dope. Um, I don't know how I feel about fans in the arena yet, but I don't feel as bad about it in that big of a space. If things are done right and they're spaced out. Um, but that's not, that would not be my first, uh, my first thought process or my first goal. But I like the idea of them going back live. I like the idea of them having a, a little bit of a different feel and different place. Um, because, you know, those poor PC recruits just stand all day just to make, to cheer. Haven't worked out haven't had any training, haven't been able to do anything because the PC right now is home base. So the fact you know, that they're going to be at Amway for, Amway for a while, I think it behooves everybody. You know, it's a shame that we're in this, like, money-tight period because you know what I would love for them to do as a since it's their first show out of the PC in so long? I'd love, you know... Old school, in a sense, I would love for them to bring an elaborate SummerSlam set. That'd be dope. They may, like, they still may do that. Like, just, you know what I'm saying? Like, back like they used to do, you know, I'm not one of those back in the Attitude Era was better types, but like, yeah, but the in the Attitude Era and the early reality era, when they still did unique sets for every show. The sets were dope, yes. They were fucking dope. And so I'm just like, all right. This is your first show out of the PC in months. And you have that shit in the PC set up permanently. So you haven't had to take it up or put it down or any of that. You've just had your production people in charge of all of that. So, like, you know, toss that savings in. Dip into some of your old set materials that I know you still got in the warehouse. And <laughs> put out some badass SummerSlam set. They're doing something because the trucks pulled up yesterday. I'm just saying, man, like, give me. It don't, it don't take that long to set up for a raw. It takes a night. You know, like, and I'm talking like for takeover 30, make, make a giant 30 out of Roman numerals or some shit for them to come out to enter or make a oh. giant NXT logo where the X is the Jumbotron. So you're talking about basically do what they did for, for WrestleMania 30? Yeah. WrestleMania. Yeah. That'd be dope. That'd be dope. I do wonder if they're going to do if they're gonna do takeover in the performance center. Not the performance center, but at Full Sail like they've been doing. Or, or they're going to actually do it at Amway. Um, because NXT is still going to be taped in Amway. Not Amway. At, at, wow. Rewind. NXT will still be taped at Full Sail. So okay. I wonder how the, like if they're gonna go to the to uh, Mway to do the the pay per view or not. But I just think it's I think it's really cool because it just it makes both it makes sense on both ends. Mway centers not they're not booked they they can't do anything for the next. You know who's probably happy oh. if 
If their organization is anything like a lot of the small market NBA teams, you know who's happy? The owners okay. of the Magic. Goddamn right. The DeVos because, family. Because they've been losing money like a motherfucker while yep. the Amway sit empty, don't do concerts, don't got Magic games going on, don't That's got none beauty. of the bullshit. That's the beauty of having your home base in a major city, just like AEW and Jacksonville. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're right. Amway is owned by the DeVos family. I don't want them motherfuckers to make no money. I want them to lose money. Fuck Betsy DeVos. Oh, is she one of them? That's, yeah, that's one of them DeVos's. Oh, well, see, see, it's ignorance. It's the same thing like you ever heard the Fox Catcher story? Mm-hmm. He was a DuPont person. I never would have known that shit. Kurt Angle knew the guy that uh, got killed. Yeah, they trained together because that was about the same time, wasn't it? It was in the nineties. It was. It was the same Olympics that Kurt won the gold medal in. Yep. He started training with the guy that Foxcatcher dude killed. Yep. Because they were it. friends. Because they were both from Pennsylvania. I believe it. I believe and it. When dude killed, when when uh, the Foxcatcher dude killed the guy, Kurt was like, "Well, no, fuck this. I'm gonna find somewhere else to train." That's those dirty secrets. The, the, the DuPont family got a killer in. Apparently, the DeVos family has an idiot. So, what can you do? Um, yeah. Let's get out of here, man. Uh, anything we missed? Anything you want to talk about that we didn't get get to talk about? Um, so, Ring of Honor is going to apparently start uh, tapings again. They will be taping in um, Maryland. So, before you... Hold on. Hold on. Real quick. Have we got have we gotten any semblance of what they did to reprimand Marty? We have not. Okay. Go ahead. Um, I, oh, no. I just wanted to mention that they're going to start tapings again and that we here at the Outsider's Edge are still and remain to this day Team Fuck Ring of Honor. Both, both fingers, actually. Yep. Especially if they ain't going to punish Marty. Like, that's both fingers... All the way up. Do something to him. And I say that because I am sympathetic to Marty's situation for this one reason. He did not do anything illegal. Not where he lived. Nope. So I am sympathetic to his, where he would be coming from. How, nonetheless, it is uncouth than a motherfucker. So you got to give me something, right? Yeah. I gotta need give some him kind something. of attrition. Something. And I think he can even acknowledge that, yeah, it'd be best for everybody. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Also, um, NWA signed some type of deal to get back on TV. But like, the fuck gonna give them TV time? They signed a deal with like a Universal, t- this, this company, I think it's called Universal TV, and they're gonna be on some cable and satellite channels, and they're, but basically they're getting another TV show back. So I can't believe somebody gave them a t- Okay. Vince okay. Corrigan is powerful, bro, in the entertainment industry. You, no, you right, you right. Smashing Pumpkins, you right. He got that money. And then connections. Yes. Melancholy Infinite Sadness was a very successful double record. The only reason TNA went, got to whatever channel they got to before Pursuit was because Billy Corrigan was like, look, bro, I need a favor. <laughs> and they were like, all right. I mean, to be fair, back in those days, the only reason TNA was able to actively continue paying their performers was because Billy Corgan was like, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness was a very successful double out. <laughs> it was paying boys out of his pocket. It's 100000 for payroll this month. 
That's, that's why we felt so bad for him when he tried to buy the company and Anthem swooped in and was like, nah, Canada. And then went on and bought a whole TV channel so they could be on TV forever. Yep, a TV channel that had a deal with New Japan at first and then uh, fucking Anthem swooped in and was like, nah, Canada. Did you see tonight uh, New Japan of America got a show and ACH is on it and PJ Black is on it. And some other indie guys are on it, so it's, they're still they're up. still pushing to try to like make some inroads into North America. I don't know how they're going to get that North American title off John Moxley though, especially right now because here's the thing: he can't do it on anything televised in the United States. But can't as an American citizen, he can't travel nowhere. Bro, do it like Not the Japan can't go like no fucking where. Do it like the DDT Iron Man title and like just record it on the on the video phone and oh. have red shoes or I like some yeah. some have some ref come with him and I pin his ass at his house. I know where they can have him go. Where American citizens can still travel, at least for now. They can have him drop the belt at at a CMLL show. Cause Americans can still go to Mexico right now. They're one of the only places we can still go. But the other ones are fucking useless. But but then the motherfuckers are trying to put the wall up on. Yo. Boy, irony is a motherfucker. Um, Hey, y'all, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. S'mores. You can find the show on Twitter at Outsiders Edge CS. We are a part of the Chairshot Media Network at Chairshot Media. Go to thechairshot.com where you always use your head. Hey, at Outsiders Edge. I'll 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 buy you a wonderful Chick Fil A dinner on Sunday, no less. They closed, but I'll get it for you if you give me the if you give me the handle. Thank you. Please. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find Rants on Twitter at it's Ray Cash Black Lives Matter. Um, oh, by the way, yeah, the people that shop around Taylor, go get the motherfuckers, please. Yeah, today would be a great day. Tomorrow, Sunday, like the sooner the better, months, but like. The sooner the better, but literally any day would be a great day for you to go ahead and arrest the assholes who killed Bjorn Taylor. Um, but y'all, until then, remember, we here at the Outsider's Edge are just some increasingly older men doing what we can out here to make it in this world. I turned 30 this week, y'all. I'm old. My dog will be 12 on Sunday. We old as fuck. Yeah. So, um, you know, but... We're just out here trying to make it in this world. Sometimes we're going to say some things that, like, touch you a certain way, like pointing out the ridiculousness of Tag Team Appreciation Night um, or the absurdity of putting a pedophile on television. On the main event. On the main fucking event. And other times we're just going to hit you with the realness, like, find something for Kushida, you bastards. Please. But no matter what, we just out here chasing our dreams, and you have got to respect that. Because if you don't, well, we just don't give a fuck. Fuck them. We got a new one, too, to add to that. Besides that, besides that ending, um, just want you to know that Kyle is giving himself to this. <laughs> God damn it, Kyle. This hurts. But respect. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll catch you next time.